My name is Monica Gleberman, and you're listening to Silence On Set Podcast. In today's podcast, we have Harry Hamlin, who's been seen on shows like Shameless, Mad Men, Glee, and most recently, Lifetime's original limited series, Flowers in the Attic, The Origin. Today, Harry joined us to talk not only about his experience in Flowers in the Attic, The Origin, but also to talk about his career, upcoming projects, and some of the movies that he's most famous for. So here is Harry Hamlin. I have to start off. I'm so excited. Um, obviously, I know you as Harry Hamlin because of Lisa Renna. <laughs> uh, she talks about you all the time. So um, I just wanted to start off like just right away. Is that is it funny that she talks about you so much? Like every time I talk to her or interview her, we talk about you and how much she loves you. And I love it because you guys have been married for so long. So I just wanted to kind of bring it up. And how is it for you hearing her talk so much about how much she loves you and that you guys have been together for so long? Well, yeah, it's kind of a lock at this point, um, I would say. Um, (laughs) You know, we do we do have um, we do love each other. I mean, it is and we have since we first met. So uh, and I have never looked at another person romantically since I met her. And I'm pretty sure she hasn't either. Out there in the, in the sort of zeitgeist, I'm, I'm gay. And I also have um, an affair with somebody in, in Canada on a regular basis. And, um, and I think Julia Phillips and I have been having it off for years and years. I mean, this is something that, that you know, it just circulates around in, the, in the, that strange social media universe and uh that's what happens when you're good looking because you're a very good looking man that's why (laughs) thank you for that um but uh yeah so lisa and i laugh about that all the time i mean something new comes up every week you know so i'm having it off with somebody or somebody else and uh and there was there was a thing that happened i think in amsterdam when you know she got upset when one of the cast members accused me of something but not anything specific and um you know i think we ended up um there was a hashtag that was like what did harry do or something like that and so i was having it off with my um my 9 year old rottweiler lola i figured that would be the best thing <laughs> for me to Aww. come out with. so um but no we we have um we have a very special relationship and i think the thing that's so great about it is that we give each other all the rope we need and um we let each other do whatever we want um and what we want to do is hang out so that's what it comes down to well i love the two of you together um and yeah i think that happens anytime i interview someone there's always crazy rumors and crazy stories and it's just ridiculous and i'm glad that you guys have like a fun way of kind of handling it i love the love that you guys have for each other so i had to bring it up and it was so cute because when i tweeted out that i was talking to you of course right away i got a a little love from rinna so i was like oh i gotta tell harry when i when i talk to him oh good 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 but let's get started so you've been in i mean some of the biggest shows of all time some of the biggest movies of all time what brought you to Flowers in the Attic, The Origin? Because you were so good in it. And, and I know, like, yes, you're not in every single episode and every scene, but you 
like take the stage the second you came in I was just like enthralled with your character and so I wanted to know just how originally you got involved in the project during the time when the original Flowers in the Attic was a huge hit I was working and uh, I was not of a generation that actually like got into that so I never I never read any of the original books and and I didn't even know the story at all I had I known how twisted and messed up and completely like off the charts weird the the thing is I probably would have read it back in the day but um I was not aware of that so when I when I saw this script and I saw how twisted and messed up it was I went I was immediately attracted to to it um why I'm attracted to such things will remain a secret um, but nevertheless, you know, I liked the character and I liked the fact that we were shooting it in Romania. I'd always wanted to go to Eastern Europe and check that out. Um, and I loved the cast. You know, I loved um, that the people who were, you know, I checked out. I didn't know Max's work um, and, and I, you know, I, I was unaware of, of some of the work of the other cast members. But once I checked into it, I saw that these guys were on fire. You know, they were great actors. And Jemima, particularly, because most of my scenes are with her. Um, and, you know, she really goes deep in this. And I don't know, you. I guess you've seen at least one episode of it. I saw all of it. <laughs> seen all of it. I've only it's seen so the, the first one, but I immediately stood up after, you know, in the final scene. And I said, oh, my God. You know, I turned to the producer and I said, this is a gigantic hit. You know, this is amazing because uh, the way the way that first episode ends, you go, oh, my God, <laughs> you know. So, uh, yeah, it's good. It's, it's, so you've seen the whole thing. Wow. OK. Yeah. So. And that's exactly what happened. Literally, the episode ended and I went, oh, no. And, and yeah. I was interviewing the entire cast. So I'm like, I, I need to know what happens. I need to know. So they were so nice and sent it over to me. They said, it's not ready yet, but if you want to look at it. And I was like, okay, great. So it's well, I actually so have good. them. I, I was sent links to them uh, by the head of Lifetime, but I'm working so much right now that I haven't had a chance to to uh, to see them. We've been working, you know, long, long days on set. Well, what drew you? So I find it very interesting. So you play Mr. Winfield. And what's interesting is that he's very progressive, which I was surprised for the origin story because of how twisted and how crazy the story kind of goes. How do you justify like his mentality in that time period to be that progressive and to let his daughter work and things that were not normal, considered normal quote at that time period? Um, well, I mean, certainly he is progressive for that time period. I think because he didn't have a son and I think he basically substituted her for his son and uh, allowed himself to allow her to be a businesswoman. And, uh, but he still wants her to get married. He still wants her to have a family and, and carry on the, the, uh, the bloodline. But it was unfortunate that he dies in the first episode. I was, I was kind of sad about that, you know, but um, it was just enough to, to go in during COVID, quarantine for a while, and then, and then do, do the, the, uh, the part, which is, which was fun. It was a blast to do. Yeah, I was really sad too, because when they show him, he's so nice and he's so caring and he's so loving. And so I think it's such a great job of the origin because you don't know how, when you read Flowers in the Attic, how did that even happen? And how does it start? And how do you get to that point? So to see kind of the beginnings of how that happens, 
in the first episode right away you you love Jemima's character and and her dad is so sweet and so nice so it's so interesting that she falls you know mistakenly for a guy that's not as nice so I would have liked to see him kind of be alive and what his take would have been and maybe like he could have helped her out of that situation because I just feel like he wouldn't have been happy with what she kind of ended up with certainly would not have been happy with that no um but then what happens and how the all the transitions that take place in her character and her personality over the over time i mean it's a 180 so it's a very interesting uh, character arc for her so are you excited for like for fans to see this because this is very different again and i just it's very distinguished character um, you know, a very loving character and someone that, like I said, is very progressive. And, and you're kind of like the standout of the show because a lot of the other ideals are very within the time. So for you, is there anything that you're excited for people to see you in in this particular show because of all the differences? Again, I know you're not in it the whole time. I wish you were, but. Well, um the relationship between me and Jemima, me and my daughter, that's what I was, I, I kind of hinged the whole thing. I have two daughters. And so uh, that relationship, father-daughter relationship was one of the main reasons why I took the part, you know, to let her go to, to you know, I have none of, neither of my daughters have married and uh, I've not walked them down the aisle yet. But the idea of, you know, letting your, your daughter go and fly off into another life, that I wanted to explore emotionally, and uh, and it worked out. I mean, I think we had that one scene together when I kind of sent her off, and we both were in tears during that scene. Um, I'm not sure that they used the takes where we were both, you know, crying in the scene, but um, we we were it was very emotional for both of us in that. So uh, I was very pleased the way that turned out. In fact, yeah, it's it's actually one of my favorite scenes in the first episode because when she gets in kind of like the carriage to leave your character standing outside and staring and you could just feel it like you're like oh he's like looking at her kind of being taken away and what that must feel like you know for a father especially a father that was so attached to his daughter and was working with his daughter and relied on his daughter and for her to kind of just go off you know and in my case when when my daughters were born I said to Lisa that I was not going to leave town I said, I won't leave town until we have an empty nest. And that was, you know, 20 some odd years ago. And uh, at that very moment, the whole business left LA. Um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll work, you know, I can work during the days and put the kids to bed. But, you know, really almost all of the business left LA and went to Louisiana, where I am now, went to New York, went to Toronto and Vancouver and Sydney, Australia. And uh, so I was left with very slim pickings in L.A., which meant that I really took 20 years off. But I was able to put my kids to bed every night and, um, you know, cook them dinners and get them to school in the morning. And uh, and I think that was much more important for me to do than to do a lot of movies um, and to work a lot because they're very well adjusted now and they're really successful in their lives. So that, given that relationship I have with my daughters, I wanted to sort of explore how I would translate my emotional sensation toward my daughters to this character in the piece. Yeah, and that's funny too, because I think everything happens for a reason and you staying home and doing that, then coming out to work, I feel like your work was like next level after they had gotten older, because some of the parts that you had chosen, I maybe you wouldn't have taken 
who knows, right? Like before you had yeah. the kids. So, I mean, I think a lot of the stuff, your career just like skyrocketed. I mean, like it, like you came out and started doing stuff and Mad Men came out and like all of these shows and um, you were just fantastic in that. So well, it's so nice that you were able to be home. I credit that, but you know, that I've never left acting class. So one of the things I was able to do during that period was to continue to study and to continue to stretch and go to um, the Beverly Hills Playhouse, which was um, like sort of my home in LA for, for uh, acting classes. And, uh, and I think that, you know, that really helped. So when I did start working again, I had that in my back pocket. And then, so obviously, yes, I'm obsessed with Flowers in the Attic, The Origin. I'm super excited for everyone to see you in it. You are constantly working. So then you went straight from that into, if I'm not mistaken, Unsinkable which is now, they're, yeah. I think they're mm-hmm. editing all of that. So what can you kind of tease about that? It's an audio movie, um, which I've never heard of such a thing before, but I've heard some of it and it's it's remarkable the way they're able to, to, to it's almost like, it's like a radio play, but it's not because it's much bigger. It's The audio is much better. Um, it's just something you listen to and um, you allow your imagination to take you visually into the into the story and i did a few i've done a few other things since um as well you probably know them better than <laughs> yes well i was gonna say is there anything that you can hint about abel because he's the one that you're doing the voiceover for for unsinkable is there anything you could tell us about like abel seaman mortimer i'm gonna i'm gonna um pass on that and let the people okay, we have to keep it because, secret. <laughs> it, because he's, he's not american put it that way okay um, not an American character. That was that was also interesting to do. Okay, well that's fun. I'm excited. And then you did, um, or you're currently doing eighty for Brady. Is that finished right eighty now? For, for Brady for oh, a couple, okay, couple months ago? Yeah, with with Sally Field and Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Vita Moreno at age ninety, and and Tom Brady. So yeah, and Billy so Porter. So it was like a, it's an amazing cast, you know. So I know you probably can't say much about the actual filming, but what is that like where you all, like I would freak out walking on set with all of those people. I mean, I would freak out walking on set if I had to act with you, but I mean, that's quite a cast. Well, what that's that true. Like? And, and they were extremely gracious and, and welcomed me with open arms. So made me feel very comfortable. And um, all I can say is that these are, these are major pros. Um, I didn't work with Tom Brady. He's a pro of his own in his own right. Um, but he came in kind of at the end of filming and worked with the girls. Um, so, but that's going to be a great, I, I, you know, I signed on to do that movie a week before he came out of retirement. And I, I when I signed on, I said, oh, darn, if only he was still playing, this would be a huge hit, you know, and then, bam, he came out of retirement. So uh, I, I have great faith in this film. And then you're now working on um, the Anne Rice's, right? Anne Rice's Mayfair Witches. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing now in yeah. New Orleans. Because AMC just left um, the sort of Walking Dead universe behind. And they've now decided to move into the Anne Rice universe as one of their places they're going to go. So they're doing Interview with a Vampire as a limited series. They're also doing Mayfair Witches as a limited series. Um, yeah, and it's uh, this is the most fun I've had working on anything since my very first film, Movie Movie, back in 1977. 
So, really? Why, why is that? Is it because of where it's being filmed? Well, because the, the character is just delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, because I'm really a character actor, you know, I'm in a leading man's body. So, but I've always, you know, preferred to play characters. Um, and this guy is just, you know, you know, I, I had a lot of fun with Jim Cutler and Mad Men uh, mm -hmm. and a lot of fun with the character I did in Shameless. But this guy is just off the charts. So uh, yeah. it's Cortland, right? So he's like that's next right. next level. Cortland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's um, exciting. How is it filming in New Orleans? Because every time I talk to an actor that films there, they just rave about the city. How is it filming? You know, there? I haven't had a chance to really see the city that much because we've been working and uh, it's been really hot. Um, all I can say is it's really hot uh, in New Orleans. So uh, yeah. they're taking good care of us. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm having a blast with it. And then on, on Thursday, I'm, uh, if I have to shoot in the morning on Thursday, but I'm hoping to catch a flight to LA to make it out in time for the, um, for the Q and A session after the 40th anniversary screening of making love, which is taking place at the Academy museum. And, um, and Bill Kramer, who runs the Academy, is going to moderate. And, you know, I'm really proud of having done that movie back in 1982, which was groundbreaking for its time. And uh, it's the 40th anniversary and and uh, the Academy is honoring it. So I'm just really pleased about that. I've been reading about this announcement. People are so excited. I mean, Making Love was beyond groundbreaking. I mean, it was unprecedented, basically. I mean, relatively, the only other movie I could think of around that time that kind of touched on topics like that was like the Philadelphia story, maybe like around, but I think that was even maybe was later. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like that was a, such a groundbreaking film. So what is that going to be like with all of you guys coming back? I'm, I'm very excited. The Academy's recognizing it. I wish they recognized it more when it originally came out, but I'm happy that you guys are doing a whole panel together and some, and most of the cast is coming, if I'm not mistaken. For, I don't for think all so. I don't think they've been able to reach um, Michael on King or King. Oh, okay. So I think I may be the only member who's going to be there. Um, yeah, I, I, I uh, I'm really proud of that movie. And, and here's another movie where people come up to me, uh, almost on a weekly basis and thank me for having made that movie. And every time they do, I burst into tears. I can't help it. You know, it's like, because, you know, to have, to have done a film that affected so many people and moved so many people um, is, it's really special. I mean, it's not often that actors get a chance to have that kind of an impact. So. Yeah. And, and that movie is so great too, because you relate to it on a multitude of levels. So you don't even have to have that sexual orientation or worry about like, it could be a various things that touch you. I've seen that movie. I got emotional watching that movie and I connected to the characters in different ways. So there's so many things that you can connect to in that storyline. And you, that, that movie to me is such a masterpiece. It's beautiful. There's not a single thing that's wrong with that movie. I mean, it's just perfect. And you're the only so thing wrong it. with it is that it was ahead of its time by about 10 years. Yeah. That's all, you know, every single movie star in, in Hollywood was offered the role that I played and they all turned it down and they all turned it down for one reason. And that's because they thought it would damage their career. And they were not wrong because it's been 40 years since I made a studio film. Like this movie I made with Jane Fonda, it's the first studio film I've done in 40 years. Wow. So, And do you think that is because of that? Because 100%. of the 
one. Wow, really? So the industry still cat like I mean I know there's a lot of issues with the industry, but they're still catching up to that being like you know that kind of content. Obviously, Um, in those days, in the early '80s when we made the film, a gay actor would never have touched that role with a ten foot pole because they would have been outed, you know. And the only the only way to do it was to have straight actors doing it. And this now. It's flipped 180 now. A straight actor could not play that role today. It would have to be a gay actor or they'd be canceled. So it's a it's kind of an interesting twist that it's that's happened, you know, in that 40-year period. It didn't damage my career, it changed it. It changed it from me being a, a feature film actor working for studios to being uh, working in television and, and some of the best television that's ever been made. So I'm not I'm not uh, complaining at all. And why like and i'm just curious i guess when that role came out and if it it was offered to so many people what made it something that you wanted to to play when that came across your desk why was that so important to portray that and do it in such an honest way because the film is just so beautiful well at the time a lot of movies were being made uh, they were really stupid um the studios were making movies about vampire bats invading towns. And, you know, it was, it was an odd time in motion picture history. Um, And there were big blockbusters being made as well, but the the kind of sort of smaller movies were just weird. And uh, I saw this movie and I said, this is about something real that's happening in our society, but nobody wants to talk about it. And nobody wants to, to, to get into this. And I said, I'm going to get into it. You know, um, come hell or high water, I'm going to get into this. And uh, so that's why I took it. And it is one of, I think it's one of the biggest, most influential films, probably, like when you look at your career in terms of making an impact. And so, I mean, it was such a great decision. And who knew that it was it was right. going to blow up to be such a big thing. And so many people are still talking about it. I hear about it all the time. And when, even when I brought up that I was going to talk to you, that was one of the first movies that came up. And people said, oh, my God, that, that movie changed my life when I saw that. And I yeah. went, I was like, I, I got to bring it up. And then I saw that the Academy was recognizing you guys. So, I mean, it just I just think it's fantastic. Nice to have an, a 180 for that. No, it's true. You know, it's been a 40 a year hiatus, but uh, it was filled up with so many other wonderful things, uh, not the least of which was you know raising my kids. But I also started an energy company and started some clothing businesses and you know it's kind of diversified a little bit so um climate change has been a big thing in my life and uh, i'm hoping to make an impact on that with um tae technologies the company that i founded in 1998. so what do what do you do with your company so we could let people know in case they're not aware aware Um, of it tae technologies is the the biggest privately funded fusion energy company in the world. So um, I got into fusion back in, um, in 1980. I found out about nuclear fusion, which is a, another way to derive energy from matter um, and uh, using sort of E equals MC squared. And, uh, and just over the years, I began to shepherd this technology. And then in 1998, um, out of desperation, um, a small group of us formed a company that now is um, a huge enterprise. With uh, we're partnering with Google, and um, Jeffrey Immelt, who ran General Electric, is on our board. The former Secretary of Energy Ernie Monitz is on our board. 
and we have a huge enterprise going on and uh, raised about a billion dollars so far. And, and we're uh, hopefully going to bring to the world a new way to make electricity that is absolutely 100% pollution-free and non-radioactive, and we'll be able to make electricity for the next few hundred thousand years without any, any CO2 or pollution or anything like that. That's the goal. Yeah, and it's relatively, I, I did some research on it, it's relatively endless too, like because of the process. So it's not like you're taking resources from the earth, you're not taking anything that you really need in terms of harming any of any of right. like the earth or the land or anything like that. It's all just scientific stuff that you're able to put together. And once they hit, like the friction is what causes the electricity and all, like I will get all scientifically nerdy yeah. on you, but I did do the research on it and it's oh, fascinating. Good. And it's, Good, yeah. it's very interesting and it really uses up almost basically nothing. I mean, I, I don't know why we haven't used it. Well, earlier. the reason we haven't done it is because it's extremely difficult to do. The group of scientists that have been gathered around this project and Google as well, and um, they, among all the people who are out there trying to make this happen, I think have the best shot at doing it because they're brilliant. And of course, Google has, you know, unlimited resources and the ability to apply their uh, artificial intelligence to the project. Well, that's fantastic. I don't know how you do all this stuff. <laughs> you're odd. Cause I feel like you're so busy and you're always working and you just always have something going on and everything you put out is good. Everything. Like I've never seen a single thing where I was like, Oh, he was all like, everything is good. I don't know how you do it and how you manage. I'm going to have to taste my sauce. Well, okay. So I have to, I was going to ask you about it. I'm not going to lie. I was going to ask you the bolognese sauce. I've heard about this for like years <laughs> about this sauce. So what is it about this sauce? I hear about it from other people that I've interviewed that have met you and know you. I've heard it from obviously the housewives. I hear, I hear about the sauce. What is in this sauce that you make? It's just, it's just really good. <laughs> You know, and I, you know, and I, I, I'm not saying that um, because I'm just saying because from my my taste buds, it's good. I like it. You know, um, everybody and, likes it. Everybody, I hear well, about it all the time. Well, you know, it's it, it's one of those things that I just it's a it's a recipe that I came up. Actually, Ursula Andrus, who's the the mother of my son Dimitri, um, sort of taught me the beginnings of the recipe when I lived with her in Rome back in 1980. Um, but then I embellished it somewhat over the years and have come up with what I think is the absolute perfect bolognese sauce. You know, what I'd like to do is do a Paul Newman with it somehow. You and, should uh, boil it. Yeah, and, and, and give all the profits to charity kind of thing. Um, it's difficult to do that. I mean, I've, I've, I've explored it and it's not easy to, to get, you know, approvals for stuff like that. But I, I, I'm going to try to do it. Well, I would love that. And somehow... I have to get some of it because I've heard about it for years. So I have to, I have to try it because I've heard so Who many knew, things. Right? So Bolognese sauce. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew you'd be so famous with your sauce? But literally everybody <laughs> talks about it. I'm going to have, I'll have to bother you later and have you mail me some or something. FedEx me a little bottle of it so I can try well, it. I've got some to Andy Cohen one. I don't know. I haven't heard whether he tried it or not yet, but um, he has a bottle of it. I'll, I'll bother you. I have to get it. I'll even pay for it. <laughs> I have to try it. I've heard nothing but great things. Um, right. And I guess just like one of my like kind of last questions, um, another audience that has fallen in love with you, Real Housewives. 
right? Because we don't get to see that many husbands that much over the years. They've kind of added the husbands in, which have been nice because it's part of your family and you're getting recorded and, you know, why not show the whole family? We've seen your daughters who are beautiful and super successful. And so you have a whole new audience of people that are in love with you from the show. I think you're one of the most loved husbands, you know, of the housewives. So what is, is that weird? Because obviously you didn't sign up to do a reality show. So is that weird that you have like a new fan base and a lot of them are younger and um, just very in love with you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about that. You know, it's, you know, it's a new demographic for me entirely. And, uh, you know, um, I'm, I, I, it's kind of, it's, it's surprising and kind of thrilling at the same time. Um, but now that I'm on a reality show, I can't join the Soho house because they won't take anybody who's in a reality show. So yep. that's all right. I'm not a club guy anyway. Um, but, um, you know, um, I, I'm thrilled by it, put it that way. And uh, I just hope I don't step on, you know, step on myself in su such a way that I alienate that audience because I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be, you know, accepted by them. No, everybody, we love you. I mean, I watched it and covered it since day one. And the second Lisa Renna was like, and I'm married to Harry Hamlet. And I, like, and then they introduced you. I mean, it was just great because you're so authentic and you're so real and you're so loving and the gardening and all the cute stuff where people, I think, get an idea of what a quote celebrity lives like and how they must be and how they must act. I get to see people in their real element because I'm interviewing them and whatnot, but a lot of people don't. So to see you, this huge actor that people look up to and have seen you in all these movies and television shows be so authentic and just normal, like, you know, I think brings in an audience and all of my friends, I have friends that are younger, you know, I'm 35. I have friends that are 20 that watch the show that I mean, are like literally obsessed with you. They think you're like, the, yeah. the best thing ever. And we talk about you all the time. We go, I wonder if he's in this episode. And we were so happy. It's very late, belated happy birthday. But we loved that episode that was focused on you. We were like, yay, like a Harry Hamlet episode. We were very excited. So it's just, I think it's just how you come off because you're just so natural and and very different than, than Rena too, which is funny yeah. to see you guys together. My parents are very different. So I, I love that kind of we're, we're relationship. We're opposites, in, in fact. Um, so, I mean, in, in every respect, we're complete opposites. So, but it seems to work, right? So, yeah, uh, my parents cannot be more opposite. And so I enjoy watching the two of you together too, because you guys, the relationship of how you are and the joking and the, very much like my parents. So I always go like, oh, like, see, that's what you need. You You need someone that's so in love for that many years and- all of that kind of stuff. And I just love how, you know, she always says like how hot you are and how much she's in love with you. And that, but that's what you want. And so watching it, it's so endearing. And I think that's what causes so many people to just, to love you. And I don't follow her, um, <laughs> in her Instagram. I mean, I do follow her, but I never look at it. I haven't looked at it in months. Um, and I, I learned that lesson when she used to do Howard Stern's show years ago. And I never listened to it, but my friend said, whatever you do, don't listen to Howard Stern <laughs> when he interviews Lisa. So I learned, okay, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to go there. So I, <laughs> I let her do her thing on, on Instagram or whatever. And every once in a while, someone will say, you know, Lisa said about you today. And I go, wow, what now? <laughs> 
Well, it's, but that's what is so beautiful about the two of you. Cause she is, she, and I love her too, because she's so open and so honest and I'm very much like that. And I'll gush with someone like, you know, I'm super excited to talk to you and I'll gush with you. And I feel like a lot of journalists, they won't do that or they won't do their research. I'm obsessed. I'll read everything. And I just want to do my work and be prepared. And I feel like she's so outgoing. She's so prepared. She's so on top of her stuff. So I just love her. And it's just so funny because she's so outgoing and then you're like a little more reserved and a little more quiet, but it just works. The two of you just work. And it's so nice. I'm so sorry. We went over time. I could talk to you for an hour about know. every project you've ever done, because I I'm just obsessed with the way that you act, the way you approach things, the characters you pick, how you do certain things. I mean, I, I would even get nitpicky on even like the way of like how the camera that you, how you're standing in certain scenes. It's just, I'm very enthralled with your career and I just find it so fascinating. I'm so happy that oh, there's so cool. many more projects coming out. Um, Flowers in the Attic, The Origin. I'll, I wish you were in all of the episodes, but it didn't even matter. The parts that you were in, you totally took over. It's so good. I'm oh, telling okay. everybody I know to watch it. Thanks so much, Monica. That uh, means so much to me. It really does. And you know, like, like I said, I'm just, I'm grateful that a 70 year old dude can still work and still have, you know, a career at this point. Uh, and um, it looks like I'm just getting started. So, you know, did a, news at 11. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed the podcast with Harry Hamlin, where we discussed a lot of his career and, of course, his upcoming show that's currently airing on Lifetime on Saturdays, Flowers in the Attic, The Origin. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you're updated on all of our latest podcasts and YouTube videos.